so this morning, it's a, this morning we're talking about Satan, and uh, that, that, yeah, that's a, that's, it's like, it is church, so we, he, we do have to acknowledge the fact that he's real, and uh, not just because it's around Halloween that we're talking about, so you notice I didn't come dressed up in my Satan costume with a pitchfork and all that stuff, because that's not what he looks like, that's what he's been portrayed to look like, but that's not what he looks like. I mean, I've never seen him personally, um, thank goodness, <laughs> and I'm kind of wondering maybe it's because either I have not done something so terrible that I had to stand face-to-face with Satan, or maybe I haven't done something so amazing for the Lord that he hasn't come directly opposed me, which the, but the reality is, is I promise you, because of his character, he does not want us to be here this morning, and there's all kinds of obstacles that get in the way of of just trying to make uh, this space available and trying to create space for people to come here. And, and we have jumped right into that, that deal where we have seen some opposition. Even this week, I felt kind of some oppression and just really feeling like, man, I, you know, have you, ever, have you ever gone to work or school and thought, I do not want to be here? Have you ever felt that way? Just raise your hand. Yeah. Okay, good. Amen. Now, obviously, I, I do not feel that way right now. I love what I do, and I love to be here, but there's been some tough stuff uh, throughout this week. It started on Tuesday, where we get a phone call from one of the couples that is really involved in our church, and her son Ryan, who usually sits back there with Zach and uh, does the words for us, uh, got hurt in a football game. He got hit head on, and I was in the middle of of refing or like doing a line judge for volleyball and my phone is just blowing up I'm like what is the deal you know I keep looking at I'm trying to like I can't obviously stop and answer the phone right in the middle of so I'm like trying to just like send it the voicemail and hey I'll call you back later well it just wouldn't stop and like something's wrong so my wife comes running with that that wife that look only a mother can have like something's wrong with your kid kind of look and I'm like well my most of my kids are here and so I'm pretty sure they're okay and then she's like, Ryan, is, he's unconscious. They, they're taking him to the emergency room, and they, were, they headed to Children's Mercy in the ambulance. And so you're like, whoa, okay, this is not good. So Zach and I, which is awesome to have a brother um, in the fight, and we, got, uh, we met up together in North Kansas City. We went down to Children's Mercy. This is my first emergency room visit as a pastor of this church. I've been to m- many emergency room visits, but the first one of this church. And uh, I really... I just immediately started, like, Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I pray life over Ryan right now, not death, not paralyzation, and I just speak against those things, and I just like, God, please, please help Ryan recover from this. And her, his uh, mom would tell you that in the ambulance, what she was hearing and seeing was not a good thing. And by the time we got there and we were able to go into the emergency room and, and pray over him, he had started, he had feeling in his legs, and he was... He did ask about the royals. He laughed when I said, this is going to be a cool story for your girlfriend someday. You know, so I knew he was going to be all right. And then he was hungry later on. So you know, you know he's good. So praise the Lord that he was, he's fine. And uh, so we're just, we're thankful for that. So let, I just want to pray. I want to pray for him. And also, um, there's a lady that works here at the YMCA that has been diagnosed with a couple more things on top of having MS. And I asked her, I said, would you come and let us just pray over you? And she said, oh, let me think about it. I know it's, it's uncomfortable, it's kind of a, a big deal, but I said, I'd love for you to come and just let us pray. So she's not here this morning, but we're going to pray for her, okay? So Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we lift up Ryan to you. 
Ryan Lewerk, and we I just praise you, Lord, that he's, he wasn't paralyzed, that it was a concussion, that he is going to make a full recovery. He's, he's disappointed that he can't be here this morning, Lord, um, and so I pray that you would just bring him back to full health, bring him back to us where he's able to be here, um, back, go back to school and do all the things he needs to do as a 14-year-old young man. Uh, just be with his mom, Lord, I pray that um, it's just that you would comfort her and I know that she's breathing a big sigh of relief that he's okay. And Lord, we just trust you, even in the midst of some really dark, hurtful times, we just trust you. We lift up this, uh, this woman that is uh, an employee here at the YMCA. One of the benefits, God, of us getting to be here for a period of time is to build relationships with the people that work here. And I pray that she would experience your healing touch from, from dis- maybe some diseases that man would say you can't be healed from. We put our trust in you, Lord, and we ask that you would touch her life and that she would know that it's you that did it and uh, you'd be glorified in it. And we just thank you for that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So you just keep thinking about the two of them. I'm going to move this over here a little bit, maybe. So, yeah, well, I'll just use this one. It's easier to move well, so last week we were at the, the high school. Um, how many of you were able to come over to the high school with us? A lot more space, amen. <laughs> a lot more space, uh, and it was it was a good it was a good vibe. I, I think it felt good in there. It was a little more intimate. Uh, we obviously have room to grow, room to invite people to come along on this journey with us, and so I encourage you to be praying about that. I think we're pretty good to go first Sunday in November, but uh, once we get, we just, I just want to nail that down. I would be afraid to say, "Oh yeah, we're going to be there," and then something would happen, and then they're like, "No, you can't," and then then we got to retrace our steps, but we will let you know as soon as, as soon as possible, so just be thinking about that. So last week, we talked about the calling of all believers, and I, and I, I got to thinking about this. The calling is for all of us to be, to testify and to be a witness of what God has done in us. That's, that's the calling we all have, and I just, I realize that can be intimidating sometimes, and I realize as a pastor, I don't the last thing I want you to feel like is, well, I have to do it just like Brady or I'm not doing it the right way. That's not so. That, that really isn't so. Because there are times where I feel moved and I'm really bold. And there are other, also times where I'm, I, I get kind of fearful and I, don't, I stumble a little bit. And, and I don't want you to think that, I, that I'm perfect at this because I'm not. I'm not. But I do believe that I've been given this message of reconciliation that I should share with the world. Like, I, I feel like I as a believer, and just like hopefully you feel too, is we've been given this hope and that we need to tell other people about this hope, right? That's, that's something that we, need to, uh, that we need to be doing because the truth is, is God's making his appeal to the world through human beings, you and me. Like we are his best advertisement for the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus. We are it. Now, I know you realize, whoa, I'm it. I'm his best advertisement man, God is in trouble, <laughs> you know? Sometimes I think about that in my own life, but it's like, but no, he wants, he invests in us so that we can share this message of hope. So some real practical things, and then we'll move on from this, but real practical things. First thing you need to know if you're gonna share your faith with someone, just get to know their name. Start out with their name. Just like, that's the reason why we turn around, we introduce each other. Now, if I give you a test, some of you be like, oh, I forgot already that person's name I just met this morning. Please don't ask me to repeat it. Well, if, you know what? Here's something, something. Just be humble and say, you know what? I'm sorry I forgot your name. 
um, can you remind me again? And then like write it down or put it in your phone or a reminder or something like that. Uh, sometimes I do okay on that. Sometimes I blow it. Sometimes I'm like, someone's like, hey, Brady, what's up, man? And they hug me. And man, it's so great to see you again. They walk away. It's like, I have no idea who that is. I know I met them somewhere along the road, <laughs> and, and if I think about it enough, I get on my Facebook and scroll through my contact, you know, it's like, okay, now I know who that is, now I remember. And then, after you know their name, just show some type of practical love if you have the opportunity. Just practical love. It doesn't have to be extravagant, just could be a little, if you, they, you know they have a need and you can meet that need, then then do it. Even if you don't even, you don't go in with an agenda, like, well, I'm doing this because I'm going to save their soul from hell, you know, and I'm going to, the reality is, though, is your practical love and just getting to know them actually could make that happen. See what I'm saying? Practical love, and then maybe just listening to their story, like, hey, man, I just, what's going on? Tell me your story. I just want to get to know you. Like, what's, tell me, what do you, what do you dream about? What do you love? What, what, what's, like, what do you think about the royals? What do you think about this? You know, whatever it is, and then you uh, share your story. Hey, you know what? I understand how you feel because I'll tell you what happened. When I was a kid, and then, or, or when I was this, or what, yeah, I, I work with this guy. I, I know how you feel. I understand. I get it. And they were like, well, we're some, on some common ground now. And then when you feel like the time is right, you share God's story with them. Now, you have to know God's story, and you have to believe it to be able to share it. But those are some practical steps. So, so real-life situation. I know you're going to find this hard to believe, but I was sitting in Starbucks the other day. I don't go there every day. I'm, I don't, but I go there whenever I can. And uh, I sit down, and, and Ginger and I, Ginger's back there, we're talking about church and details, stuff like that. And there's this older gentleman sitting next to me. I'm thinking he kind of looks like maybe he's homeless. And so... I uh, said, hey, you, do you need something? Do you, you, don't have any, you didn't have a coffee or whatever? I said, you need? I'd love to get you a coffee. And he's like, yeah, that'd be awesome. I said, I'll, I'll just go get it for you. Well, then <laughs> he was like, oh, no, you know, I like the veranda with a little room for cream. And Can I get something sweet to go with it, you know? I was like, man, this guy, he knows what he's doing, all right? But I'm going to go along with him. I'm going to go along with it. He's probably done this before. That's okay. I'm a sucker. I'm a nice guy, so... So he got, like, picked out a brownie, and I got it. Because I like something sweet with my coffee, too. Look at all that stuff over there. Um, so we, so I got him some coffee, and he sat down. And, well, then Ginger and I met, and then Ginger left, and then some other friends came, and we were talking. I had not told him that what I do for a living. I just was being nice to him. And so then he was talking about some other stuff, and then he, he, he got me. He talked me into giving him a ride, and so then we had to go down and get some He'd stored some groceries and stuff behind this one church. And could you, could you help me pick up this stuff and take me to this other church? And we went to the other church, and they couldn't let him in because it wasn't time yet. So then I had to take him back to the other. Here's my point. Sometimes ministering to people gets messy, and it's inconvenient. It's not always on your schedule. It's not always going to work out the way you want it to. Like, it's not always going to be clean cut. But I did, while Tom was in the car, he just isn't in his conversations, I thought, hey, Tom, it's funny, his name's Tom, my name's Brady, so we joked about that, Tom Brady. And uh, I said, Tom, do you know Jesus? Yeah, yes, sir, yes, sir, I do, I do. I said, well, when did you come to know Jesus? He said, it was about seven years ago, and uh, some people were, I was down and out, people were being kind to me, and they shared the love of Jesus with me, and I just thought, you know, I've heard this before, I just want to follow this Jesus. I was like, good. 
Because isn't that really the best question I could have asked him more than just like, hey, you know, like, how are you going to eat tonight? Which I did ask him that. It's like, you know, you got things squared away for this evening. He had some food. He, he's got some income here and there. And then he shake, shook my hand after he left and said, hey, thank you for your kindness. I always believe that I could have been entertaining an angel. I always believe that. Now, maybe if I see him again at Starbucks swindling people for free coffee, I might have a different conversation with Tom. But at the same time, I'll probably just buy him a coffee again because, you know, he has a need. And so, anyway, so just some, there's a practical story of how that works. But when it comes to sharing our faith, fear, fear becomes the greatest obstacle, I think. But the Bible says that the Lord doesn't give us a spirit of fear or of timidity. He gives us a spirit of power. He gives us the ability. He gives us the, the, the words to say. Sometimes it just requires us to open our mouth. So the truth is there is an enemy that opposes us doing that, though. There's an enemy that opposes us being in this place. In the Bible, um, Jesus actually says in uh, Luke, Luke chapter 10, I, 10, I believe, he says he saw, saw Satan being cast out of heaven like lightning falling from the sky. And the word Satan actually means satanas, or satanas, uh, meaning enemy, adversary, or a, or a hostile opponent, okay? So we have an enemy or an adversary that's hostile, opposing what it is that, uh, opposing things of God. So here's what we, what we believe. Um, this is from our belief statement. We passed these out. We believe that Satan is a fallen angel, a liar, thief, and deceiver. We believe that he works to steal, kill, and destroy. Satan is destined for a final defeat at the hand of God's Son and for the judgment of eternal hell, a place prepared for him and his followers. Okay, that's, our, that's our, what we believe. Obviously, there's, you can unpack that a lot more, but that's what we share. So if you have a Bible, turn to the book of Ezekiel. That's, and it's about almost halfway. Halfway, then look to your right a little bit. It's the, it's the prophet Ezekiel. Right after Jeremiah. Ezekiel chapter 28. So this is a prophet being given a, a word from God to give to the people. But he's actually, this is a word against this king, the king of Tyre, T-Y-R-E. This is Luke, uh, Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 11. So the word of the Lord came to me, and he calls this prophet, he says, Son of man, Take up a lament concerning the king of Tyre and say to him, this is what the sovereign Lord says. In this lament, in this like word against the king, there is a description of what happens to Satan. Because this king, this king's king was not God. The power and his authority was coming from some other place and his influence wasn't of God. It was of the enemy. So in this lament, it, it's actually this word that describes what happened to Satan. 
So this is what the Sovereign Lord says. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty, which is a description of, of Satan. You know, all the pictures that we see are the opposite of that, right? He's horned beast, and he's big, and he's massive, and he's ugly. His character is all those things, ugly. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone adorns you, carnelian, chrysolite, and emerald, topaz, onyx, and jasper, lapis, azulai, turquoise, and, and beryl. Your settings and mountings were made of gold on the day you were created. They were prepared. You were anointed as a guardian cherub. There's a key right there that lets you know he's talking more than just about a man. He's talking about an angel. You were anointed as a guardian cherub, so I adorned you. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God and I expelled you, guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth. I made a spectacle of you before kings. In Isaiah 14, it gives a similar reference uh, to, that, to that happening. And scholars would say that they believe that this occurred obviously before the fall of man because then in the garden where he was cast out of, he comes in the form of a serpent and tempts Eve and he lies to her, right? He's true to his name, the father of lies. He lies to Eve and he tricks her into doing what she knows is, is, that she should not have done. So where is Satan now? I think if he was in this room, we would know it. Him personally, in, the, in, in flesh, we would know it. In Job 1, it says, the Lord asked Satan this question, hey, where have you come from? When, the, when Satan came before him, and he answered, from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. So this sense of him coming on the earth and off of it, back and forth. Ephesians says that he is the uh, ruler of the kingdom of the air. So like he's got a rule here on earth, and it's just like, some would say the world is Satan's playground. Like he's present among the, the, he's the ruler of the air. From, from what we see below to up to heaven, he's got this, this playground that he roams back and forth on. There's been many stories of people who say, you know, when I was there when my loved one passed away, and there was this incredible sense of peace and light, and, um, and like I almost felt God's presence in the room because, because there's, a, there's a belief that God will, will not allow his, his believers, his children, to pass from earth to go up into heaven alone because of the fact that the enemy rules the kingdom of the air. And so he comes and he escorts them to his presence at death. There's even a, a gentleman that comes to our church, was, he lost a son, and a son at a young age. And he says, I remember being in the room, and it was just a powerful experience of God's presence there. Like I knew this peace. 1 Peter 5 says that he is prowling around looking for someone to devour. He's waiting and watching and look, lurking and just kind of. Now, the, the thing is, we, um, we have to compare this 
with God because God is omnipresent. Satan is not omnipresent, meaning he's not everywhere at all times. Like he in his person cannot be uh, here with us and then everywhere else. He's not omnipresent. He can only be in one place at one time. When he was talking to, it was before the, the Lord, and then when he was given um, the opportunity to go and test Job. If you have read the book of Job, it's an amazing story. But he was given the uh, freedom to, to go and test Job. But he was only there at that time. He wasn't anywhere else. Okay? Now, reality is, is there are, there's evil in the world. And I believe that there's presence of evil in the form of demons, just like there's presence in the world in the form of angels. Okay? And you just read, you read the Scripture and you'll see examples of that over and over and again. Last week, one of the last things that I shared was the, the man that was possessed by demons and then Jesus set him free, set the demons into the pigs, and then set him free. Um, I want to I talk to you a little bit this morning about the difference between being possessed by demons and being oppressed by demons, okay? I do not believe that as a follower of Jesus Christ, if you have Christ living in you and the Bible says that he that lives in you is greater than he that is in the world, you cannot be possessed by a demon because Christ is already there and demons want nothing to do with Jesus. They flee from him. But from the outside in, I think the enemy can oppress us. He can come against us. And all of us at one time or another can say, hey, you know what, I don't know if it was evil or what it was, but I just felt some oppression in my life. I felt a heaviness. I felt like I wasn't able to really function. Or, and maybe and even in the form of depression. And that's real too. People have struggled with that. Even us in this room can say I've struggled with some depression. And all of the oppression and the possession and depression is a result of sin in the world. For the wages of sin is death. The enemy comes in. And so when you say, well, you know, you've heard people say, well, the devil made me do it. Uh, yes and no. And no and yes. You know, because of sin, he has some power that is only given to him by God, but he has some power to oppress people and cause some struggle. And we all maybe said, you know, I've experienced a little bit of that. Um, one night, we, my wife and I were in bed, and it was about 2 o'clock in the morning, and I woke up, and I got this eerie sense that something wasn't quite right in my house. And this is not one of those ooh, spooky kind of things, but I just realized something wasn't quite right in, in our home. And so I talked to my wife. I said, you know what? Let's just get up, and let's go, and let's just speak the name of Jesus in all of the rooms in our house. And literally, I went into... Um, one particular part of our, our house, it's funny now, it's where my office is, and I, I mean, goosebumps, and I thought, something doesn't feel quite right here, I'm not an, it's not like I had some kind of a, a wand that I could tell there was an evil presence there, but I just sensed something wasn't quite right, and so when we said, you know what, in the name of Jesus, uh, whatever it is that, that, that's causing this feeling, you don't have a place here, this, this place belongs to the Lord, the blood of Jesus is, is covering our home, it's, it's, he lives inside of us, so whatever it is, you just need to leave. And it just kind of went away. And I went back and went to bed. Okay? Once again, I don't do that every night. But for some reason, I felt like there was some oppression going on. And so I just, I do not want you to, to, to freak out, but I want you to be, just realize that it's real. That evil is real. Uh, we can just look around us and see that evil is real in the world we live in. 
right? We see the, the um, evidence of it. Satan was cast out of heaven because of pride. Thinking too highly of himself, wanting to be greater than God. Well, I would like to say that for human beings, we could deal on two extremes of pride. One is, is we could say, you know what? I don't really, uh, I feel like I got it, I've got it okay, I'm doing all right, I really don't need God. And that's a self-pride of saying, I'm, I'm, I just don't need him. But we can go to the other side of that, clear to the other place where we are so, um, we have such low self-worth or value that we feel like God doesn't need or want anything to do with me. And he doesn't want us to be in any of those places. So he does not want us to think too lowly of ourselves to where we feel like we don't, we don't need him. Obviously, Satan's issue was the other way, but he will use both to keep people distracted from God. You see what I'm saying? You know, he'll just keep people just away from, uh, focused on other things. You know, where God, I'd rather be focused on this than God, or I'm really just focused on myself, my own problems or whatever, where I can't even see God in the midst of that. There is a place prepared for Satan at the end of time. In Revelation 20, it speaks of a place reserved for him. It says, reserved for him and all evil and those whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. There's a place reserved. Satan is, is all these things, and I'll just share a few things. Satan is real. Um, he's the antonym of Jesus. So think about that. The antonym of Jesus, the opposite of. So therefore, in John 10, where it says he came to kill, steal, and destroy, um, he does the opposite of what Jesus says, that he's come to give us life. So he's a thief, he's a murderer, he's a liar, actually the father of lies, he created lies. He's destructive, um, he's the uh, path that leads to death, the author of death. Uh, he's good at his job, no doubt about that. He's, he's darkness, he's hunger, he's disease, he's a tempter. He's thirst, he's hopelessness, he's chains, he's the, the deceiver and accuser of the brethren. In, in uh, counseling, a lot of times I'll have, hear counselors talk about, especially in marital counseling, they'll have each other, the couples look at each other and, and say to, this, to your spouse or your, your significant other, you are not the enemy. Because the enemy accuses the other person of being your enemy. And learning to overcome that, say, you're, you're not, there is an enemy, but you're not it. <laughs> but he accuses us against one another. Even though we have good intentions, and even in the church, sometimes especially in the church, he'll accuse us against one another. And that's when it causes some real issues. And then he's a counterfeit. If you were going to study um, how to determine what a counterfeit bill looks like, counterfeit money, what I've heard is, is they say that you don't look at every single form of counterfeit that's out in the world because there's many of them. Instead, you spend a lot of time looking at the truth, looking at the true bill so that you know it so well that when you see a counterfeit, you recognize it immediately. So I want you to think about that when it comes to, to this. If Satan is the antonym of Jesus, then Jesus is obviously the antonym of Satan. So he's the way, the truth, and the life. It says in John 10 that he comes to give us life and life to the full. So we must look at, at what it is that Jesus brings to the table. So turn to uh, Luke chapter 4. 
Luke chapter 4. So Jesus was... Um, spent 40 days in the desert, tempted by the devil himself. And I once heard a young man uh, say in a group of people, he said, you know what, there's no way Jesus can fully understand what it is that I've been through. Jesus has never been addicted to crack or cocaine or any of these things like I've been addicted. How could Jesus fully understand that? I was like, you know what, I'm sorry that you're struggling with those things. I got issues that I struggle with too, but I've never had Satan himself tempt me. Jesus has though. And he was without sin. So Jesus understands. So in Luke chapter 4, verse 14, it says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. News about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written a prophecy about himself. And it says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus gives a, his resume in a sense, this is why I'm here. This is the reason why I came. And Jesus is the reason why we are here this morning. We are here because he is the one who gives us the hope. He is the one who says the demons flee at his name. Just at the name of of Jesus, they flee. Jesus is the one who defeated death. I mean, if Satan was the author of death, then Jesus is the author of life. He is the one who defeated it by his work on the cross. It said in the very beginning, it says that uh, when the serpent was cursed by God and said, you will strike his heel and he will crush your head, the enemy did strike Jesus' heel by putting him on the cross By him being on the cross, you might think, well, that's what happened. He was struck on his heel. But then when Jesus rose again, he crushed the enemy's head. Jesus conquered death. Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. So we can remember things like this. In Romans 8, it says that we are more than conquerors. If God is for us, who can be against us? So we don't have to live by fear, because nothing can separate us from God's love. It's what, in Romans chapter 8 is one of the most victorious chapters in all the Bible. But, as we f- finish our time together, how can we apply this teaching to our lives? Here's, I'll give you three things. First of all, you can recognize today that you need a Savior. And if Christ has not came to dwell inside of you by faith, then you need to recognize that's a step you need to take. And you can take that step this morning. You can take that step anytime you feel God is leading you to do that. Because Jesus wants to possess you. But the power of the Holy Spirit wants to come and live in you and guide you and teach you and help you. 
We recognize that we need a Savior. We need to realize that Satan is real, but we don't have to live in fear of him. We don't have to because perfect love drives out fear. It casts it out. We don't have to live in fear. And then prioritize. Allow Jesus to have the rightful place in your life. Does he have your mind and the things that we think? Does he have your heart and the things that you feel and the things that you love? He's loved us. It's natural that we would want to love him back. And then lastly, does he have your feet, your actions, the things that we do on this this earth, the way that we live, the way that we serve? So let me pray for you. So Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray for those that are here this morning that, that recognize today that Christ does not have, have its right, his rightful place in their heart, in their lives. But I'd ask that today that if uh, someone's here this morning and they need to give their heart to Jesus, and if that's you, I would just ask that you would just Think about this. Without Christ, you are separated from the very one who created you. But if you are to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says you will be saved. It's faith in Jesus that, that writes your name in the Lamb's book of life. Because remember, Jesus has come to give you life. And life abundant. So if you're here this morning, you've never done that. Pray. Pray right now. Say with your mouth, Jesus, your Lord. I want to live for you. I believe that not only did you die, but you conquered death by rising again. And I want to, I want to also conquer death so that when I die, I'll actually have life. So maybe this morning you recognize that, or realize that uh, Satan might be real, but I don't have to be in fear of him. And, and maybe, uh, maybe there are things that you, there are fears in your heart, in your life right now, that you've, you're letting those things motivate you and move you, and you just need to like, say no more. God, would your perfect love cast out the fear in the hearts of the people who are here this morning? Fear of failure. Fear of what other people think of them. Fear of what would happen if they really fully did give their life to Jesus and what that would look like and what that would change in them. So let your love take away that fear. And then, Lord, um, I pray for all of us that already know Jesus, that we would prioritize the things in our life. Help our, help our thoughts, Lord, the things that we think about. Help our thoughts to be uh, fixed on you. We'd fix our eyes on Jesus. Help our hearts, the things that we love. Um, the things that we treasure, that's, what, that's what, where our heart follows. And so, God, I pray that we would treasure things of you. And then... Um, And then as each one of us leave here today, our our actions, the things that we're going to accomplish later on today and this week, 
Maybe we have an opportunity, Lord, to minister to a guy like Tom. Maybe we have an opportunity to do even greater things than that. Lord, that you would guide us and lead us. Help us be um, the best, whatever our title is, that we can be this week. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your house, in this place. We pray that we would know that you love us and that nothing can separate us from your love. Nothing. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning, um, we'll have an opportunity uh, as you're leaving to, to give, if you came prepared to give. And if you've never uh, filled out a welcome card just for the information, that, uh, obviously your giving is important, but your information is important to me too, so we can know how to get a hold of you, so we can encourage you, especially as we get ready to make a transition, we can make sure we can communicate effectively to everyone uh, sixth grade through 12th grade, tonight at our house, um, 1516 Hale Avenue here in Platte City. Uh, come. Uh, we're going to make homemade pizza, so you get to make your own. That'll be a mess. Um, it'll be fun at the same time. I look forward to that, and we'll hang out get to know each other. And then, um, what else? What else am I forgetting? Trunk or Treat is coming up, and we have some people already signed up to help, and that's great. If you want to come and hang out, that's uh, wonderful to represent what it is we're doing here. So bless you as you give and as you go, and have a great day. Let's go Chiefs.